Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 142 of Thyroid Nation Radio live talk show and podcast brought to you by Just Thrive Probiotics. I'm Dana. And I'm Tiffany, and we'll be your hosts for today. Hello, good morning, good afternoon. Good morning, wherever you are. Today is going to be a real amazing show. Tiffany and I, you know, we always get on and giggle, but it's, it's mostly because, you know, we know that this affects us and has to do with us. And so we're kind of making fun of ourselves in the process. So it's going to be a really, really great, great show. We do not. (laughs) Uh, uh, Okay. Before we get into this, I want to just mention, if you have never heard me say this, thyroid refresh, please check it out. It is amazing. We help thyroid patients implement thyroid-specific diet and lifestyle changes by making the process simple and fun. And there are so many websites out there, including Thyroid Nation, that provide information on what to do, but Thyroid Refresh is the only platform answering the question of how to do it, and especially with our upcoming game, our wellness adventure that is launching hopefully sometime this fall, it is going to be a, no pun intended, game changer. So please check it out. Yay. <laughs> it is. And I'm so excited for you. Incredibly you. excited. A game Thank changer. You. There we go. That's great. <laughs> okay, today we are talking with Nikki Gratrix. 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 Why can't I ever get this right? I just don't know. Something's wrong with me and my brain. Gratrix. That's it. Gratrix. Okay. And she is amazing. She is one of those people who is high energy and full of life. And uh, she's an award-winning, internationally renowned um, registered nutritionist, a mind-body expert, a health writer helping people optimize their energy. And she's all about abundance. And she is going to be talking with us today about, you know, breaking free from chronic fatigue and, um, you know, finding ways and and helping you get to a place of, you know, health and healing. I'm just really excited about uh, talking to her because as, as I was saying, Tiffany and I were giggling on the show about, you know, looking at our our past lives or our lives and, and the traumas that we uh, possibly faced and, uh, and how it might've affected our health today. So it's going to be a really great show. Absolutely, absolutely. And please check out thriveprobiotic.com, our amazing sponsor, very unique probiotic, spore-based, verified to survive gastric acid, proven to reduce endotoxins and heal symptoms of leaky gut. These are verified, so it's not just some marketing tactic. This is real stuff, very unique, spore-based, is very different. Uh, than other probiotics. So please check them out. We're honored to have them as a sponsor, thriveprobiotic.com. And it looks like she is with us. So let's get this amazing woman here and the Thyroid Nation thriving. Good morning. How are you? Great, thank you. Thank you for having me. I should say good afternoon. Where are you calling in from? I'm actually calling in from Santa Monica, so I'm on Pacific Coast time. It's still Perfect. morning. Perfect. Not too far from me, only a couple hours to the to the west. I'm in Joshua Tree. Oh, wonderful. I love it there. What a wonderful I place. Would, I would love to be at the beach today in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, 
Well, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, we would love to start out, we start every guest with how they ended up in this place. And you have a very unique story. And you can go as far back into your childhood as you like. But tell us (laughs) how you got to this place to heal other people. Very interesting. Okay. Um, well, I actually started in a totally unrelated field. I was I, I started in my early 20s in a career in banking and finance, and I was in the city of London as a chartered accountant, which is, uh, I did an economics degree, but it probably took me a few years to realize that was an awful life decision. I, I, it wasn't my <laughs> role in life, and I needed to do something that had a lot more meaning and obviously uh, something much more caring for other people. So when I was 30 I actually left that and did a kind of eat pray love moment where I just went off and did two months of meditation went around India and and kind of um did lots of retraining in yoga and things like this and then I retrained as a a nutritional therapist and then I actually met my partner at the time who's a business partner and my life partner and he'd had chronic fatigue syndrome for seven years and he just recovered so when we met, he was a psychology practitioner and I was kind of doing kind of both, but we decided to, to co-found a clinic together where it, and the clinic was um, looking at the psychology side and the physiological side together. So that, and that's how we always started because we, we kind of realized that with these kinds of illnesses, there's such a strong emotional component to address. And if, if it goes unaddressed, what you do on the biochemistry doesn't work as well. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it started. I think I've been going almost 15 years now as a as a practitioner. Wow. From <laughs> from finance to here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was quite quite a journey. Um, but yeah, it was funny. We literally started in the clinic with just the two of us in our front room, and we ended up with patients in sort of almost 40 different countries, 10 practitioners, and. And we did go off and, and get a study, preliminary study published in the British Medical Journal Open based on what we were doing because we had so many people. Um, we started to gather data and um, we had enough to, to publish. So it, uh, showing that what we were doing was, was having significant improvements. I mean, it was all these alternative therapies, obviously diet, lifestyle, EFT, NLP, kind of these brief psychotherapies, life coaching, this kind of thing. So, yes, it's a bit of my history. Well, wonderful. We are so glad that your journey has taken you to this place. Now, have you uh, have you struggled with any illness that, that you've helped heal, or has it just been a complete drive to help others? Very interesting. So I have – I've had burnout – and I, I, I share the psychology of many of my clients. Um, so I, yeah, I, I sort of, I, I know my clients very intimately. Um, I, know that, I know who they are. I know what they struggle with. I know what their emotional life is about and often how they end up, ended up with a chronic complex illness. I didn't end up with the most severe form of chronic fatigue, you know, like my partner did, which is even though I spent, I've spent most of my career working with the, the severest end you know so it's often housebound uh, quite often they can be housebound some, some of them bedbound that whole spectrum but certainly some of the, the more challenging cases although I haven't had that personally I've, I've definitely had some bouts of burnout and I can relate to the kind of uh, the reasons for it the emo- psycho-emotional aspects sure. of that yeah <laughs> which we can well, talk even, more about even more a testament because you helped prevent 
you know, taking the crash, you know, burnout is that, I would imagine, that precursor to the crash. Yes. And so that's, that's super important, I would think, even more so important for people who aren't chronically ill yet. Very so, true, and it's so interesting. I was just going to say because I've had I had an early phase of it where I almost didn't even realise I was going through it, and the second time it was like a deeper layer <laughs> that I got uh-huh. to. Like, oh my god, I'm he- I'm I'm here again, and this is after I co-founded a clinic on chronic fatigue, and then I it, I sort of had to go to the next level. But um, of and, and it's a journey of discovery, isn't it, about patterns? And I was kind of forced to go deeper and look at even deeper things that were running in, in my own life that I hadn't addressed yet. And you right. get caught out, you know, if you don't look at those things, you'll get caught out again. So that's, we'll, we'll probably touch on that. But yes, anyway. I love that you that you said that because it really is an ongoing journey. You know, it's not like you're ever just healed and perfect and skipping along, right. along through the daisies and about your going on about your merry way. It's really, it's an ongoing journey, even for people like you, you know, you, just as you said, you know, you, you kind of had your, your own thing going on and you founded this clinic and then you found yourself kind of in the middle of some of it uh, yourself uh, later, at, even after you're, you're doing this for all these other people, which is so very real and very raw. And I appreciate that. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, it, it was. Um, and I think, you know, it, you're absolutely right. We can only take people as far as we've gone ourselves. And I was I was able to help you know, the, the kind of the very sick people because, you know, perhaps they had a bit more extreme patterns or they also had more um, kind of biological stuff going on that I was trained to deal with. But when it came to these more subtle patterns, um, you know, you could get away. A lot of practitioners are burnt out. Right. <laughs> a huge uh-huh. number of practitioners, mums, therapists. Uh, in fact, it's, it's known in the science. There's a massive sort of wave of burnout. It's, it's a, you know, the, the caring therapies are the highest level of burnout. So um, it was that kind of thing, like addressing that. But the good news was I was able to go through that, apply the things that I knew in even a stronger way. And, you know, walking the talk is so important, isn't it? So I sort of sure. came out with an with a even deeper, expanded level of things I could pick up with on a client where I'm like, oh, I can see there's a pattern there that you're doing this, this, and this, and, and then help, help people identify and overcome it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it is an ongoing journey, and there's probably – There'll probably be something else in a few more years, and that's the, the way life goes. So it is definitely and a, that's right. a constant. Yes, that's the <laughs> way life journey. goes. <laughs> if we knew everything right now, it'd be no fun. <laughs> uh, yeah, we wouldn't have yeah. any of these. You know, if we didn't go through these times of of different struggles and whatever, we wouldn't appreciate the times that we didn't have them, and we wouldn't grow, and we wouldn't. So I think that's that's hugely important to acknowledge is that we. We need to learn to embrace the struggles just as much because they will take us to a higher level. So I, I, I personally, I think that's very important. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's, a very wise, that's a very wise thing to say and spoken from somebody who's been through it and come out the other side <laughs> by the sounds of it very much. It's, you, we actually can talk about um, something called post-traumatic growth. Um, which is exactly it points to what you said. So it's usually something that can hit us in had, at adulthood. It brings us to our knees, and um, it can cause us that kind of existential crisis, which is actually, it, you know, getting ill, it can be, it's a traumatic crisis in itself. You know, we forget about that. I always talk about early life stress and crises in childhood, which sets up our system to become much more prone to illness in, in adulthood. But actually getting ill in adulthood 
can be a crisis in itself. It can be a major trauma. But what we're hoping the process is that people do reassess themselves. They, they, they become different people because they've worked out, oh, this doesn't work for me. That doesn't work for me. I just get sicker and sicker when I do this, this and this. And I can overcome this and I can learn from it. And I'm a bigger, better, happier less stress, perhaps more spiritual, there's more meaning in my life for, for going through it. And you get to that stage where you can even say it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, some people get very angry about that. It means they're right, it's still in the trauma. So not everybody's there. Um, but this, this um, having a really good reason to recover and um, a kind of the deeper meaning, if you could see the deeper meaning in what's happening to you, it's, I, I, in all the people I've seen who recover, it's a profound piece of the jigsaw. A um, very important part of the psychology and the emotional side of recovery from a, any kind of ailment, I would say. Hmm, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Honestly, I mm-hmm. think the difference between, you know, the illness and the healing comes in how you view it. I, I really do. It's something that has taken me a long time to, to actually see, but um I I really think, you know, people can be going through just an awful time and they might be struggling, but they still are able to see the light at the end of the tunnel and say, this will uh, provide me at, at, some, at some point the post-traumatic growth. And I think we get so focused, particularly thyroid patients, and it's my experience that we have a tendency to focus on what's wrong or, or um, mm-hmm. you know, the illness itself rather than focus on the what's right. I mean, I, I love the term post-traumatic growth, right? Because it takes that awful situation that caused us great trauma, but it offers light at the end of that of that statement, you know, because there's growth there. This isn't someplace that you have to stay forever. You know, you have a, an opportunity to grow from that place. So it takes it from, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened to me. How am I going to get through this? This is awful, it's consuming me. me to what is it that I need to learn from this so that I can become that person on the other side. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably not saying it correctly, but it, that's a huge difference, post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic growth. growth. They're two, right? They're two very mm-hmm. similar yet very, very different uh, conditions or, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yes. I think that's yes. uh, completely that's different critical. things. It's yeah, the post-traumatic growth is a whole area of separate science. <clears throat> Looking at people who've been through serious trauma and have managed, as you say, to come out the other side and feel enhanced for the experience. Right. And so right. it's a very specific um, uh, you know, area of research and a, a ter- a, like the term that we use. It's very interesting because I think when if people can reframe being ill as, you might take it a bit far, but almost a call to transformation. It's almost, yeah. you, you, you didn't plan it in advance and you didn't exactly consciously ask for it. But let's say there was some deeper part of you that was actually not getting attention, not getting what it needed. The body somewhere wasn't getting what it needed. And the body often is a reflection of the subconscious mind. So there was something happening that was certainly brought to your attention through this this process of actually getting an illness. So sometimes it does help to know that you've not failed at anything. There's nothing wrong. Uh, you're exactly where you're meant to be learning something which is going to enrich you ultimately. So uh, that speaks to what you were saying as well. There's an idea of, you know, I'm bad. I'm wrong. I got it wrong. I'm failing at life. You know, there's something this is all bad and all wrong. 
And actually, from a deeper perspective, you, if you choose to look at it in that way, you find the deeper meaning and it becomes a sort of it enriches the tapestry of your life, which, as you said at the beginning, it's, it's not all flowers and happiness all the time. It's it just isn't that isn't the life, life experience on this planet. And I guess somewhere on some level, we all signed up for that. <laughs> <laughs> so you know like because we're, we're here we showed up and we were born here and with we you know with toxic parents or whatever it was and and we we signed up so i do it does it, i do encourage people to consider it in that way and it's also just to make it clear as well um that post-traumatic growth it's not the same at all as resilient so you can be resilient to stress and and that means you could have had certain things happen in childhood, the way you were brought up, which means that when bad things happen as an adult, which they inevitably do, a loss of job, divorce, all the rest of it, maybe you get an illness. Some people are, you know, that is a trigger for a crisis, which leads on to hopefully post-traumatic growth. If you have resilience, it means it doesn't really affect you and you kind of bounce back in a few months. You know, it doesn't bring you to your knees. It doesn't cause you to rethink everything in the world, who you are, why you're here. So that's like resilience. So it's completely different. Post-traumatic growth is a very specific thing when it's someone who's actually been, you know, caused to question everything and why they're on the planet. So, yeah, it's very interesting. Completely different concepts. Well, and even even stress has uh, genetic people, the way people handle stress and the amount of stress and everything can actually even be uh, in the DNA to a certain extent. So you can see some people who can handle a significant more amount of stress and then other people that that can you know feel very overwhelmed very easily of course there's food there's multiple other factors environmental and what have you but there's also genetic predispositions to the amount of stress that people can handle yes this is true and although yeah there, there's there can be a predisposition doesn't mean predetermined though which right. is good news so uh-huh. predisposition meaning, yeah, you might be a little more sensitive to stress. It's very interesting, actually, because people um, who are on that spectrum, um, obviously, they're like, so as soon as we have a stress response, you know, things like the vagus nerve, which is the lovely healing, rest, digest, detoxify nerve of the parasympathetic side of the nervous system gets downregulated. And that does things like cause leaky gut. And when you have leaky gut, then, you know, that leads on to things like autoimmune and Hashimoto's and things like this. So it's very interesting that um, if you're more sensitive to stress, that whole cascading impact of a stress response has a stronger impact on you. So, um, and that, just what that means is, it was very interesting, I must say, there's this amazing research called about the ORCID theory, and it's children, they've been looking at children who are the more sensitive to stress, and they've called them ORCID children or ORCID theory, because some it's been found empirically that some children um, are like dandelions, so they can you can spread their seed anywhere, kind of slightly rough upbringing, you know, kind of not, not the ideal environment and those dandelions will tend to thrive anywhere orchid children are the sensitive type they're the ones with the sensitive genes but amazingly they are if you give them greenhouse care they overtake the dandelions they outdo the dandelions (laughs) so in that sense i always talk about this because a lot of my clients they all know that they're, they're sort of they're in the orchid group but 
you know, you it is a gift. So the, this sensitivity, which may have felt like, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. It's a vulnerability. It's a weakness. It's actually your gift because you're more sensitive to all of biological context, which means you're probably more sensitive to chemicals, sounds, noises, but also other people's emotions. You're more empathic. Right. And that gives you a certain set of gifts. And when you get greenhouse care, you will t- be more successful in society than your colleagues who are dandelions that's empirically being proven so I always like to like uplift people with that and kind of know that it just means that you need more care these kind of self-help right self-care self-care processes that we can talk about are just even more important if you're you're the orchid child that's that's the takeaway oh no I I that makes me a little teary and it totally resonated with me I have to say because I'm definitely an orchid (laughs) and um (laughs) feel like I've ever given myself the permission or I don't know acknowledge the fact that you know it is a gift and I've never really kind of completely moved past all of that into the thriving and overtaking the daffodils what the daffodils let's just say but I'm I'm headed there and the way you put it so poetically makes me feel like it's okay it is a gift it is a gift I mean I think there's you know, um, I don't know. I'm a huge fan of genetics, and I, I don't think it's a it's a predetermination, but I do think that a lot of people can learn a lot about themselves from genetic predispositions. In other words, the reason for their sensitivity, or and and then they can cultivate the orchid and be more careful and not put themselves in certain situations. I think it's a, a phenomenal tool for empowerment. Truly, you know, if there's particular illness and you know there's certain things that you're not going to want to do I feel like the earlier we incorporate genetics into part of the discussion whether it's from therapy or even to a therapist I would think that genetics would be uh, an inordinate you know tool to help the person with themselves if that makes any sense in other Uh words there, there wouldn't be if you had a difference in predisposition of sensitivity, you might counsel one person that's more sensitive to orchid theory very differently than you would than you would counsel someone who did not. Or you might look for, you know, other situ. I don't know. For me, I I could be a genetic salesperson right now because I think it's a <laughs> phenomenal tool <laughs> for people. And that's uh, you know, yeah, because they, they can learn a lot about themselves and. Of course, it's not, you know, it's a predisposition. It's not a, a, you know, something that's a guarantee. But there are certain things like ability to concentrate and retain information and things like that 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 are not changeable. They are, this is part of the structure. So I think for people to understand that about themselves, they may, it might help them choose a better job for their, for their personality, for their ability, for what they are gifted at. Does that make sense? So I do think yeah, there's just I think that, yeah. so much. I think yeah. That, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think it's part of that journey, the self-discovery journey. And these things like I was saying about like unconscious patterns, that we, we don't we don't know what our make and model is. That's another way of looking at it, like which I talk about a car, you know, and the, the orchids are the Ferraris that can go very fast and they're gifted in that sense down a straight road, but you they can't really go off road the way that a rover can. But we not right. may not realise right. what our what right. our own make and model is. So you could discover that through genetics. I spend a lot of time 
having people start to recognize you can also do that through personality typing you can do it through um sure. kind of just yeah emotional self-awareness and that's what i'm talking about like tuning into your own needs and accepting what they are and that they are potentially different than other people's and they might not have been validated when you grew up in fact you may have been uh, disvalid you know kind of told told that you were oversensitive and invalidated right. so right. it's learning to reclaim yourself to know who you are to know what your needs are and that you're valid that you're okay and in fact there's even gifts in there too that's all part of the process <clears throat> so anything which increases that self-awareness um I, i'm with you i think that's um i think that's part of the journey um of you know of, of recovery and coming back to feeling fantastic again the connection to self and knowing who you are yeah hmm. very interesting hmm. <laughs> yeah. can it all comes down to connection to self you know uh-huh. to, to understanding limitations and let's talk a little bit about that because you have the ACE score on your uh, website can you tell us a little bit about the ACE score and how this makes this self-awareness and the ability to heal, how it, how it is helpful towards healing? Yeah, it's a really good question. So <clears throat> the ACE score refers to ACEs, which are adverse childhood experiences. And it was based off a, a study, a huge, gigantic study that was done in the mid-1990s of over 17,500 adults. And they were looking at the level of early life stress and they correlated it with adult onset chronic complex illness. And the early life stress, they were looking at categories of things like physical, sexual or emotional abuse, physical or emotional neglect, um, parents separating or divorce, mental illness in the family, domestic violence, substance abuse or incarceration by a family member. And they would just pick those random categories because there was the most research on it. Anyway, the results were pretty stunning. And they found that 67% of all adults have had at least one ACE. And if you had a high level of ACEs, you have a dramatic increased risk of seven out of the top 10 causes of death. If you had six ACEs, you have a 20-year reduction in lifespan. If you had four ACEs, you have a 400% increased risk of things like depression, more than 400% increased risk of Alzheimer's, um, dementia. In fact, ACEs is the number one most preventable cause of all mental illness. It's also the number one most preventable cause of all addiction as well, whether it's injection drugs, risky sexual behavior, binge drinking, alcoholism. If you had just four ACEs, you were more than 12 times as likely to be um, suicidal. You just had to have two ACEs. You have a 100% increased risk of autoimmunity. If you're a woman with ACEs, that is a, and the chances of autoimmunity in adulthood is strongly correlated with smoking and lung cancer. And if you had eight ACEs, you have a three, three times the risk of lung cancer and three and a half times the risk of um, heart disease. So the upshot of all of that is um, stress is a killer. Stress is, emotional stress is one of the most underexposed risk factors for chronic complex illness, especially in childhood, because that's when our brains are imprintable and our, it's the same processes happen when we have a stressful event in adulthood, but it's even more potent in childhood because we're still, you know, imprintable, the brain is still growing the nervous system is still growing, so it has a major impact on us. And it affects how we are emotionally and how we feel about ourselves as well. And that's where, you know, the, one of the upshots is a lot of people get, 
conditional love as a child. They don't get the unconditional love. So when we get conditional love, there's certain survival strategies that we use and eventually it bites us. It comes back to bite us because it, it, they're actually not sustainable, really, in adulthood. And they end up draining and compl- depleting us. Then a trigger comes along, maybe an adult stressful event. And then suddenly we've developed a chronic illness. So um, that's what the ACE score is about. That's why it, I use it's a start point. It, it was actually quite superficial, but it, it was this tip of the iceberg. Let's put it like that. That was It's one of the most important studies ever done in medicine, but it is the tip of the iceberg. So for those out there that take the ACE score and they're just their their score is off the charts. I mean, literally, they got one point for each question. Yes, and they're like, just like, oh my god, right? So at my my thyroid problem, my adrenal fatigue, my fibromyalgia, my everything is due to circumstances that were not within my control. Obviously, these are the majority of the people that have ended up in your office under your consultation. Where do these people go from there? This is these were circumstances beyond their control. They happened, they're ill, and here they are. Now what? Yes. Well, the, the good news is the good news is that this the impact of this can be reversed, and it starts with awareness. So it, you know, just doing the score and then realizing, wow, this is this is me, and this is a massive factor. That's you know it's good it's good as a start point to understand you know you may have just been focusing on all the biochemical approaches to healing without looking maybe so much at the psychoemotional aspects aspects that could be available to you as well that will only enhance what you're doing and what I found is when you take this what I call like a type of multifactorial approach this is when what you do on the biochemistry works better. What we need to do, usually what's happened is when somebody's been through a lot of early life stress, the research shows there's a neuroendocrine immune system reset that happens. It's an epigenetic shift that tends puts us in a place that's more in the sympathetic. It's survival mode. We go into survival. We're into stress state. We have sensations in the body of lack of okayness, a lack of sense of safety, a lack of just feeling good in our bodies and in our skin if you like and that sensation you know um i just interviewed bessel van der Kolk, who's a world-leading expert on trauma he's a psychiatrist at boston university medical school and he literally his book is called the body keeps the score the body keeps the score so mm. you know when we have stress oh. that happens to us it's not just in the mind it's an organism response so stress isn't just affect it's it's affecting certainly the glucocorticoid receptors you know that whole hpa axis adrenals yes all that changes but epigenetically which means that it's a it's a kind of permanent reset unless you intervene to reverse that so you need to do things to address it which you can which is great news um but that reset also downregulates the parasympathetic side of the the nervous autonomic nervous system, and that's really important. Things like the vagus nerve, which, do, which connects with everything. So you know when you have when you're in that state of stress of survival, it'll either come out as being um, just res- uh, too responsive, too uh, sensitive to things, easily triggered into anxiety, sleep issues. Um, it's more sensitive to things like food and chemicals, 
Um, it can also be reflected by feelings of, it, you can collapse the other way and obviously go into depression, hopelessness, despair, those kind of feelings. The other side is like the anxious, hypervigilant state, but they're both coming from the same type of ultimate stresses and the nervous system resets more or less the same. So um, what we're trying to do really is, uh, the question for people is, are you in a stress state or a healing state? Are you in a stress state or a healing state most of the time? And it's not only how we set up our lives and how much stress there is going on around us and our daily lifestyle that we need to address, but there may be this internal reset that we also need to do some work to reset as well. In other words, you've carried that with you. It's basically since the date the trauma started. Um, and that's where people often show behaviors of that too. Unfortunately, th this type of trauma does lead people to have feelings of um, lack of self-worth, self-criticism issues, shame, self-shame, which is why I loved when you said this is not their fault. It's absolutely not their fault. That is their programming has taught them that there's something wrong with them. They don't feel safe. If you didn't get that love and connection from childhood, you internalize it to be there's obviously something wrong with me. And no, no, it's an environmental failure. But learning that takes time and focus and learning to be, you know be kind to ourselves again it, it that's a process and all we're really trying to do is get people to start feeling safe secure centered and balanced in their bodies again and as, as Bessel van der Kolk said yakking doesn't really work he meant CBT isn't so effective at that there's loads <laughs> of things people can do there's lots of things you can talk about it you know help talk. if you've never talked to anybody about something that happened to you in childhood that can be very healing writing and journaling about things is absolutely shown to be um, healing as well uh, some of the most profound things you can do is this sort of body self-care make it uh, get get connected with your body again yoga therapy is actually one of the top therapies it's widely available it's been proven to be more effective in some cases for treatment of PTSD, for example, than some of the other mainstream conventional um, interventions. So there's a, there's a lot of things that are available that people can do. Cranial sacral therapy is also another type of therapy that's very good um, out there. Touch therapies are awesome. So, it, But it's doing these things, booking them in, go for your weekly massage. It's all part of your self-care process. And there's daily reset rituals that you'll want to incorporate in your daily lifestyle, things that reset the nervous system, whether that's either a resetting from things you've held this since childhood or you just you taken on a lot of stress around you. By the way, if you have the type of stress where you're tons of emails, you're running around looking after the kids, you know, the kind of stress that most people say, refer to when they say the word stress, PET scans have shown the impact on the brain is the equivalent of one eighth. So, you know, you guys, maybe you had great childhoods, but you're just a lot of stress on you. You also want to address your lifestyle. Um, and we can talk a few uh, about some more practical things that people can do on a daily basis as well. But does all that make sense? That's a, that's a long explanation. <laughs> Absolutely. I think, I think for, uh, particularly for thyroid patients, you know, we see it all the time where, lab values may look absolutely phenomenal, right? They're ideal. And yet the person, it's almost like the body is in a state of refusal to heal, or I mm -hmm. should say the body and the mind. So I, I, can't, I can't tell you how much that the body keeps the score resonated with mm -hmm. what I know of thyroid patients. The body keeps the score. 
So how do we get the body to quit scorekeeping? Yes, we would love practical advice for not only people just going through the daily stress, but I think, especially Dana, you know, you t- correct me if I'm wrong, but I think for most people with thyroid uh, conditions, they're dealing with not only childhood trauma, but they're also dealing with the, the, the daily stress, and then you just feel like, I just can't uh, get up and deal with any of this. So maybe we should start there with practical tips for that particular type of person. And before yeah, we so go there, the, really quick, yeah, when, yeah. before we go there really quick, Nikki, let me just interrupt and say that um, I want people to take away that trauma, you know, when you say the word trauma, my first thought is head trauma or something yeah. extreme. You know, like I fell out of a two-story window when I was three. Okay, that's trauma, right? That's physical but, trauma, yeah, right? That's physical trauma, but and people kind of um, associate trauma to physical trauma only. And I want people to take away and realize that, you know, like if you go to to Nikki uh, um, dot com slash ace score, it's there for you. But like for instance, I'm going to read one of these uh, questions. Did, um, one of these questions: Did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often swear at you? insult you, put you down, or, or humiliate you, or act in a way that made you afraid that you might be physically hurt? And if yes, then you add one point. So basically, you know, physical trauma is, is what people kind of associate with trauma. And of course, there is that, but this is emotional trauma. And, um, and you don't really kind of equate the two, or I don't when I'm thinking about it, because I'm like, well, I had a pretty good childhood, you know, whatever. And, but then you go through all these questions, and I'm like, Okay, one point. Okay, one point. Okay, one point. Okay, well, maybe I didn't. <laughs> you know, like, look at all the types of trauma that I did have or that were inserted on my body that were not my fault. And so I just want people to realize that it's not the, just the physical trauma. It is the emotional trauma as well, or mainly, you know, um, that you need to also look at. So basically, I don't think there's very many people that are free from any kind of tra- trauma from their childhood. I mean, there's just too many things uh, that, that could happen and you know not that the parents mean to do any harm or anything but it's just the the way of nature you know that's it's such an important point what you just made there and I I spent a lot of time like addressing that because you know there's something one of the things that to take away is that uh, relational or attachment trauma is is the most prevalent and it's the most important type of trauma so it's to do with the relationship between you and your caregivers and that relational tra- uh, that relation trumps any specific event so the question is is you could have had bad things may have happened to you in childhood you may have been bullied you may have had a um, a scary hospitalization with a you know where that's a very scary traumatizing thing but if the quality of the relations with your caregivers is good enough it trumps a single event so not so just think about that so not only um can can you know, individual events someone can look back and go well i did have those bad things i fell out of a tree and i was hospitalized or i was bullied but my my mum and dad and my caregivers were loving. They saw me. They validated me. They took care of me. I felt safe when those bad things happened to me. That minimizes the impact of an individual event. On the other hand of the spectrum, you can have no individual events, really. You can have food, shelter, actually have a lot of money, have all the shelter in the world that you can imagine, you know, living in a 
perfect environment but if somebody just your caregivers actually weren't interested in you didn't show emotional collection were narcissistic for example only please only felt connected when you pleased them and their needs that's actually devastating and there's a lot of people out there that don't realize they've actually got attachment it's also called developmental trauma um so I also that's why it's such an important point you said that the question is who 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 can is being seen and being validated emotionally validated who was there for you when you didn't feel safe who cuddled you when you were scared about things and the, the ACE study actually wasn't the best at getting that it, there's other ways to elicit it more effectively and this is what also Bessel van der Kolk was made the point that's why he said relational trauma it's called developmental trauma not recognized by the American Psychiatric Association at the moment they're all fighting to get it recognized there's only PTSD is recognized at the moment but that's trauma in response to an individual discrete event it's it's eminently curable we've got things like EMDR um, so if you've had a single event like an assault or something that and you have flashbacks and you have you do things to avoid ever reminding you of that single event, you should go and get help because it's eminently curable. Something called EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing is uh, very they've got good science, good results with it. So you don't need to live in that kind of trauma. The, the other type of trauma, developmental trauma, it's trickier to deal with. It takes more long term work. And it's more about you have to basically learn to reparent yourself and do the self-soothing and the self-connection work that didn't, you didn't get as a child. And that is a pro, an ongoing uh, sort of process of learning. But there's, again, there's lots of therapies. That are, like I mentioned touch therapy, massage. EMDR even can be useful for some of that. It's better for the more discrete incidents. But um, some of the practical things that I get people to do just on a daily basis to reset the nervous system and start to kind of engage with their body. Having, uh, actually, I tell people, I know this that might sound weird, but if you've got an illness, you're dealing with chronic illness, first of all, just go to bed at 9.30 at night. <laughs> right. It's part, right. Of, it's part of circadian rhythm management, actually, which is really profound area, and there's loads of science behind showing that we really need to, when we get sunlight, exposure to light and darkness controls our entire hormonal triggers of, of times when we wake up and we need the adrenals to kick in and the thyroid to put the accelerator on the metabolic rate. And then when it gets to the evening time, we should really be in orange light, campfire light. So um, if you're up at night or late looking at your white screen computer, you've got white lights on, that is your pineal gland is getting the message that it's still daytime. Right. So it, I've, I've changed people's adrenal profiles just by circadian rhythm management, which means I even have all my bulbs in the evening. They're all red or orange. That's, people might not want to go that far, but having blue blocking glasses, they're like 10 bucks on Amazon. You'll see blue blocking light glasses that you can get. I think um, Dave Asprey talks about these all the time, you know, the bulletproof guy. It's, um, mm -hmm. you just, you can put them up, put them on when it gets dark. You'll be amazed how you start to feel de-stimulated into the evening. I've cured people's sleep issues just Go to, to the orange light. Your whole system's going to start calming down. Pineal glands triggering melatonin when you do this. Go to bed at 9.30 because um, for whatever, if you think you're going to lose productivity or time, think it doesn't happen that way. You just feel so much better because you'll wake up earlier feeling better and you'll, wake, you'll be more productive the next day. And then that's important because in the morning time, 
the first thing you do when you wake up, we want to we want you to have bright white light in the morning because that is like a shot of caffeine without all the downside of a caffeine mm. stimulation. So you can take you can get these ten thousand lux white light widely available. They're actually treatment for uh, seasonal affective disorder. Tons of them on Amazon. And you can do it that way. You can, if you're in a sunny climate, like go outside, get sunlight, and you're immediately, this is circadian rhythm management. It's affecting your mood. It's affecting the times that your hormones start and switch off again. So, and then I have people do like a, your morning routine is one of the most important times of the day where you set your nervous system up and you stimulate the vagus nerve. And I, I have my like seven steps to supercharge. Some, someone, sometimes it's seven minutes because somebody has no time. If you've got 30 <laughs> minutes, that would be even better. But I, I have people do like five or six different things that all stimulate the calming rest digest detoxify side there's tons of things that will do that you just have to choose things you enjoy doing for example um we just run across like so meditation absolutely increases heart rate variability that is a sign of increased vagal tone it means you're creating a healing state so meditation uh, i've mentioned yoga is a massive one tai chi and qigong is also they do that as well um journaling gratitude journaling uh singing is another thing chanting uh, will also do it essential oils increase heart rate variability music calming or uh, ambient type music will all um, raise your state positive visualization and setting intentions for the day uh, will also raise vagal tone so i i get people to do a kind of combination exercise by the way totally increases uh, vagal tone obviously exercise to the degree that you can do that and you can cope with it and it doesn't cause you a crash or anything like that Cold showers, by the way, increase vagal tone. They increase mood as well. Um, green vegetable juices, uh, dark green vegetables and beetroot stimulates the heart rate variability. So you can kind of see a kind of routine coming together where perhaps in the morning you might put some essential oils on, put some nice music on, have an area where you won't be disturbed, do a few minutes of meditation, maybe write some things you're grateful for, uh, gratitude journaling, and then maybe set some intentions for how you want to feel in the day. Um, maybe you want to read or watch something uplifting for a few minutes, some affirmations, something positive, listening to this radio show, for example. Um, maybe you do five, then five or ten minutes of some gentle stretching and yoga, and then you might do something else, a bit more exercise, depending on what you've got for the day. Then jump in for a cold shower. <laughs> you know, I don't want to overwhelm people, so you know, you can do just choose two or three things, but your morning routine, is ha- it really sets you up for the day. It can set your mindset up. I teach people how to ground their bodies and reset the nervous system with specific techniques. I also teach EFT, positive EFT, where you can you can tap in positive emotions to set you up for the day. This kind of daily process, and then the rest of the day, by the way, every hour or so, you do want to just check in and you know keep the, the nervous system reset. Even if it's just five minutes of feeling your feet on the floor, which brings you into the present moment, that is de-stimulating. And then in the evening time, something similar, you might once again do a bit of gratitude journaling, some, some calming yoga stretches, maybe some red light therapy, something like this, get, get the orange lights going and then start the de-stimulation process for the evening. So um, that's some, and get sunlight during the day, that's another profound thing, it's part of the circadian rhythm. So these, these are some practical techniques. These are things you could start doing today. And I promise you, if you just did the go to bed at 9.30, got up in the morning and did any of those things and did it for 21 days, you would be a different person. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> just choose one, you know, something that's that's most pleasant. You know, some people yes. love walking. Some people love 
just whatever it is, like you said, uh, some people love cold showers. Some people, <laughs> the idea of a cold shower is terrifying. <laughs> no, I'm just up. kidding. Uh, but the, but the thing of it is, is there's all kinds of unique and wonderful things that will bring you joy to you. And just do one today. Yeah. Start with one, so right? True. Yeah, D- cultivating joy. Time in nature, I should have mentioned that, is, is a profound one. Being physically connected bathing, to the absolutely. earth. Absolutely, yes. Yes. Sometimes it's as simple as that. This is all for stress management, resetting the nervous system. Yeah, that's, so these are some practical things. You know, and obviously we can talk a little more about certain things people might do if they actually want to pursue some therapy Type, other types of therapeutic approaches that, that there are out there as well. By the way, journaling about your past as well, that has, as I mentioned, that has also been shown to take the trauma out out of that as well. Um, so you can go deeper and it depends what type of the issues you're dealing with. But to talk therapy can help to some degree, but a lot of it, to be honest, it's like it, the yakking, it doesn't help as much. It's, it's creating this, just this safe, it's essential experience, actually. You're talking about creating a sense of safety in your body again, and it's learning to use your emotional sense of feeling state as your internal guidance system about how centered and grounded you are and how much you're in that healing state right now. There's one last thing I would just mention, as I think that's really important, the idea, going, going a bit quantum here, but I love this kind of uh, the quantum levels things. Our intention does affect subtle energy, and we are subtle energy beings as well. And a lot of the, lot of the therapies, world-class therapies, are actually energy-based therapies. EFT and EMDR are based in traditional Chinese medicine. So the idea of like setting, especially if you've got, you know, you're physically challenged, there's a physical illness going on, doing this kind of daily visualization where you imagine that you're healed and it's already happened. You you already imagine your body working perfectly, healthily, fabulous digestion, fabulous movement in the body, you know, um, your brain working well, all the energy you need to do whatever you need to do during the day. And you have to feel the emotions of it as well. It's not just a visual sensing thing. You need to do it with an uplifted sense of emotions. That's a, a profoundly important thing that is often overlooked and isn't prescribed, and it should be, as because your brain and just think about the placebo effect. Is, so she, I could have we could talk just about that. We could have spent a right. whole hour just talking about resetting your mind. And by the way, when you ask people to do that, um, it brings up a lot of stuff <laughs> about oh, trust issues, trust issues. Oh, it will never happen to me. I can't do, and that's. That's your journey. So the journey to health is an emotional journey as much as it is a physical one. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, I think it's it's very important to point out, too, for the listeners that may be undergoing a divorce or uh, a massive job change or, or whatever, I think it's very important to point out that you can be in that space of safety and healing within yourself when you are surrounded by uh, uh, possibly a major traumatic change. Is that would that be a fair statement, Nikki? So there, there you don't necessarily have to wait to heal until you're out of that marriage or out of that you know job or whatever. It, it's it's a space that you create within yourself, correct? Yes, absolutely, and it is totally possible to you know to even be very happy while you're dealing with a, a chronic illness. 
it's actually a great book. Matthew Sanford, he's a paraplegic yoga instructor. Matthew Sanford. He's written a book about post-traumatic growth. He's one of my heroes out there. That he's an example of that of, of of coming to peace with something which was you know potentially very devastating so yes this getting to this place of of peace with things and a place that you cultivate within yourself exactly and you th- the thing is so within so without so things tend to resolve more easily you can deal with things more smoothly when you take the time to reset inside yourself Mm. and gradually slowly but surely the body the the mind and the body are so profoundly connected that when you start doing that visualization and you know imagining the good outcome and getting into the emotional state of that that you're telling the brain the brain will start controlling the body and saying okay we're going to bring this outcome now it you know it can take time but we're doing this consistently and with trust it will over time it starts to this is some of the most important things for people to engage in while you know it's not that you don't do the other stuff like you know taking things for diet to improve thyroid you know maybe addressing adrenals healing the gut it's just that that all of that will work a lot better when you've reset you've done the neuroendocrine immune system reset work when you're in the healing state are you in a healing state or a stress state that's that's when everything else works more smoothly. But yes, it's more, it can be more challenging if you've got a traumatic event going on in your life to stay centered. But of course, you know, we need to be practicing these things when it doesn't count so that when it does count, we can do our, do our processes and we can get centered despite challenging environments. Mm. 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 Food for That's thought. <laughs> field. We haven't used that in a while. We haven't. That is, a phenomenal empowering that regardless of circumstances around me, I can create that safe space and heal within. I think that's so it's important. where it all starts. It's probably For where everybody. it all starts. Yeah, right? and, you know, if I look at all the people I know that have recovered, you know, from these eight, nice eight years of being housebound, and I've seen them go on to recover. Right? These people are now some of them my friends and so on. Somewhere inside themselves, there was always a decision that that wasn't going to be their reality and that they were determined to do anything for it not to be that way. So the com- the commitment was there, but it, it was a decision and somehow they never accepted it. So, and then, you know, there's this step up that you sort of start to feel the future you, which starts to come in. And then you sort of, I have people say to me, I suddenly, it was just, there was a moment where I knew this wasn't going to be my future reality, being ill all the time. And it was just glimpses to begin with. It was a feeling sense. And I, was, I just went into a safe space and I calmed down because I knew this. there's a timeline of health or there's the timeline of, of not healthy. And, and often we, there's too many people bringing in the unhealthy because they're just focused on all the things that aren't working. They're focusing on their symptoms constantly. They're in victimhood about it constantly. So there's also, you know, there, this is, you know, some people would say this is kind of law of attraction stuff, but it's actually the more research that I do looking at the mind-body connection, it's profoundly a law that's at work in the physical body. So the more you can do to, like, shift that mindset, shift your emotional state, shift what you're focusing on, cultivate it on a daily basis, reconnect and, you know, let go of the kind of feeling, the shame and the, and the, and that kind of thing slowly but surely, constantly reminding yourself that that was your environmental failure it's not you um so you know feeding yourself with all of that your emotional diet is as important as your physical diet um 
it's a critical yeah. part of the recovery. I don't think you can just recover from just doing dietary stuff if you're not at some level doing that other emotional stuff as well. It is so important. You know, I'm so glad you said that, to be doing both of those at the same time. You can't just be taking the supplements and going through the motions if you're not working on the emotional aspect of it as well mm-hmm. at the same time. You really can't because one doesn't really go without the other. You know, they go hand I don't, in hand. I don't think you can heal, period, without, right, period. without addressing the emotional aspect. You right? know what I mean? I don't think so either. Just, it's not possible. And the, <laughs> yes, and a lot of people, though, now just think about this. It does take courage because a lot of people will come to a practitioner, tell me what supplements to take to take my pain away. Just tell me what supplements. Mm-hmm. I, I was trying it with drugs. That didn't work. So just give me the supplements and tell me the diet that will take my pain away. And it's like, that's a reductionistic approach. That's like, I, mean, I, it, like I warn anybody who's going to, don't come and see me if that's, that's your way of approaching it. Because I'm going to be asking you, like, what's going on in your life? Who are you? Do you like your job? Do you like who you're married to? Who's around you? Do you have a happy life? Do you have a reason to be on the planet? Um, right. How do you feel in your body? How, like, what happened to you? What's going on? You know, I've, I'm doing the whole social, relational, childhood, you know, who are you, who you want to be, and what what happened. And then we might give you some supplements as well. They'll be supportive, supplemental, supplemental. It's when people come for it. They've got an immune immune system issue. They tell me what supplements take for my immunity. Like the most robust finding in psychoneuroimmunology, which is the the science of the mind-body connection, is that stress suppresses your immune system. So, again, people looking for a supplement to cure something which is to do with, you know, it's not going to cure the fact your mother hated you. <laughs> it's one of the things right. I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm being blunt about in glib. Right. But I do say that sometimes in my talks, like, just hold on, you know, let's, there's, there's another approach here that may also need to be looked at. So, <laughs> Well, and, you know, just to, to add on to that, I think it's very important. There's so many people that I see that say, this is just my personality. I'm just always stressed like this. I've always been stressed like this since a child. You're like, I'm not that so is, sure that's no, it. no. <laughs> You know no. what I mean? And then after you, you, you help them with things, then they realize that they can handle stress very differently. You know, whether there was, you know, I mean, I, I personally, I think B12 has the ability to change the world. <laughs> you see so many people who are B12 deficient and they have this massive rundown of major problems that's fixed once that's put in an optimal range. I mean, I'm not saying B12 is going to is going to heal childhood trauma. But I do I do want to point out one thing very quickly because this one hit very home with me and we have so many thyroid um patients that have uh weight issues. And after the A score, you connect to another article on your blog uh, that's called Healing Emotional Trauma Part 1, How Does Our Childhood Biography Become Our Biology? And scrolling down a bit, there was a study that I think, you know, anyone who's struggling with weight should read. It's it's a study from the 80s, Felitti, uh, Felitti. Um, there was a systematic study of uh, 286 obese people. Anyways, I'm going to, instead of reading it, say it, and you correct me if I'm if I'm putting it forth incorrectly, but... of those people in the obesity category had been sexually abused as children, okay? And just to kind of sum it up, uh, when they, they, they had increased anxiety and panic as they started to lose weight successfully, Okay, that that is huge, right? Especially when you associate the amount of trauma that's present in thyroid patients. And I'm I'm not going to quote any statistics, but we'll just say that it was relatively very high. 
that most um, you know people that were suffering with a thyroid condition had some type of sexual trauma uh, in their life, whether it be rape or in their childhood or whatever. But they they couldn't lose weight, and and it it turned out that there was an emotional component that literally made them refuse to lose weight. Yes. So it was actually in that that study very important. It causes it, it can trauma unresolved trauma can sabotage your best intentions on on a health program and that's what was happening with those people and one woman summed it up when she said the extra weight was a form of protection against unwanted male attention because she'd been sexually abused as a child so it was actually a threat to her her survival being right or somehow thought that she was asking for what happened or whatever it was because she might have been attractive or dressing like an attractive woman and oh my gosh like the 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 premise behind that is is infuriating because it's something that that we it's self-traumatizing does that make sense like we're uh-huh. taking a traumatic event and we're creating additional trauma for ourselves in the midst of that and just whoo man we need to shed that skin i don't know i'm going to go off a professional and just sound like a hippie out here in joshua tree we just need to Yeah, it's true. I think, you know, there are people who don't realize that it's a threat to their survival to genuinely release and relax and let go. And and, and we see this in the towards the kind of burnout behaviors that can end up in whether that's thyroid issues, fatigue issues or whatever. It, It manifests. It's this unconditional love piece. The social connection piece is so strong. You know, we are damaged by other people. There's nothing that damages humans more than other people. And other people are also the biggest healers of others as well. And if we feel that something we're going to do means that we're going to be abandoned by our tribe, that we are going to either get hurt again by another person or, you know, be abandoned, it is an amazingly powerful, magnetic, strong impulse in us often unconscious and this is what I'm getting to when people find it really hard to accept certain places in themselves like maybe the feeling of just feeling they don't never they don't they're rejecting the fact they actually feel depressed or they they don't feel okay being feeling just unwell and collapse and, and they can't be the giver anymore they can't be the perfectionist anymore they can't be the achiever anymore because they're too ill and that's the body's way of crying out and saying, we're forcing you to just give yourself love unconditionally because that's what you, you, didn't, you didn't get as the child. So it's, it's subtle, um, but it's so powerful. So even just, you know, there's parts of ourselves that we, when we're not safe in ourselves, unconditionally accept radical self-acceptance of everything that we are, because we didn't get that in childhood. It was conditional, like do something to earn love. It was always a doingness then it's really hard to feel safe and be okay. And even when a person's not physically doing something, their body is still mentally totally switched on and they're not in a healing state, even though they might be physically inactive. So that's what can lead this chronic stress state. Often people can't let go into being okay in in their worst self. You know, we have happy, shiny, best selves that we usually post on Facebook. And then there's the the less happy times where we're kind of not quite so shiny and not feeling so shiny. Most people will abandon themselves during those times. And that is very stressful. You're just, you're recreating what happened to you in childhood, which is abandonment. But if you abandon yourself, you're just mirroring what happened in childhood. And that's extremely threatening. 
So it's another part, it plays out in many ways. Everybody's individual and everyone will have an individual story about how, you know, somehow or other, the, the, the very thing they need to do to heal is somehow a threat to them. Um, and it's breaking through that and recognizing it and then gradually reprogramming it. But it's, it's totally possible. Mm-hmm. I hope that makes <sighs> sense. This has been, yeah, and this has been extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> a lot of these things, you know, I kind of feel like I, I knew or might be a dash of common sense, but not really, you know, um, not to this depth and to this uh, level of, of understanding and self-acceptance and um, validation and unconditional love. I mean, those are all huge words that have um, molded my life and <laughs> not so much in a great way. <laughs> and so <laughs> yeah. to, to see them and to hear them and to, and to hear you talking, you know, it's like I can't hide from it. So it's been very... Very great. Very wonderful. Thank you. I mean, empowering, you know, empowering. Everybody needs, everybody needs to hear, you know, this kind of thing. I think, um, I think it's, it feels safe. Our conversation feels safe. And, um, I like that a lot. We try to make our show a little bit different, Nikki, you know, I was thinking about all the podcasts that are out there and we just want to talk and we just, tell you a little bit about ourselves more than maybe some of the other shows and um (laughs) you know I just feel like maybe people glean a little bit of um I don't know support from from us sharing resonance so yeah resonance I think resonance yeah before we let you go oh no go ahead fireside chat I was gonna say it's just like a fireside chat I just want to say one other thing as well just to validate you know um it don't throw the biochemistry out because as you were saying about, you know, there's many things you can do on the physiological side as well. And I'm not saying not to do those things. Someone's life can be changed by taking B12, magnesium, getting gluten out of the diet, um, healing, you know, healing the gut. That will change your anxiety levels as well. So there's a lot to do on the physiological side as well. There's, but there's a lot of good information out there. And you ladies are probably covering that a lot too, which is great. So I'm just putting, I'm saying there's also this to consider. There's like this unconditional love thing piece Absolutely. to go as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think being open and aware to because, you know, one person, I mean, we've even heard it with the helpful tools that you've mentioned, you know, one person, you know, may get that healing from journaling, one person may just need to sit down and sit by a campfire and put their feet in water or do something like that. Everybody has their own healing recipe and it's yes. being able to tune in to that creating that safe space and and making sure that you're safe and you're loved and the only person genuinely that you need to do that is you that's it all starts there so there's so many different ways to to be well and we can be very well and then have a a, a lapse and that has nothing to do with us much like our childhood traumas but if we have that safe space and we have that self-love, we'll get through it, and it will be positive. It's a way to refine. It's 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 all in how you see it, and we are so grateful for the tools um, that you've given. It's mm-hmm. it's amazing. Thank Definitely. you, thank you for having me on on this on this topic as well. So thank you for what yeah. you guys are doing as well. Very important. <laughs> Before we let you go, what's new mm-hmm. on the horizon? Anything new? And it doesn't have to be business. 
Uh, do you have a vacation <laughs> that you're looking forward to, even a simple spa treatment? What is something that, that Nikki is looking forward to here in the future? Well, that's a good question. I am actually launching a podcast shortly, next couple of months. Ooh, cool. um, yes, yeah, covering all the, the, the sort of this, what we've been talking about today, and a membership site. So that, so there is a bit of business stuff, but then I'm hoping to go to Sedona afterwards <laughs> ah, <laughs> and take Sedona. a break. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm like, I'm, this is a busy work period coming up. So, yeah, um, I'm out for the count in Sedona as soon as the launch has taken place. But, uh, oh, yeah, it's fantastic. a lovely place. I yes. love Sedona. Oh, I just got yes. that warm feeling, you know, when you just think about Sedona. It's just that, like, healing, happy feeling. Um, it is Ooh, for me anyway. Yes. So, yeah, right? Well, this has been <laughs> fabulous. I can't wait for your podcast. What's the name of it? It's going to be called the Abundant Energy for Life podcast. Mm. Yeah, and I, I, ha- I did manage to get the inaugural guest is the world leading expert on trauma, Bessel van der Kolk, Body Keeps Score. So, yeah, it's, oh. it should be fun. Oh, Wonderful. I can't wait. Well, definitely let us know, and we will definitely share it for everybody. That is so fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Nikki. Uh, I wish you um, well, and I hope you have a great day, and uh, we'll be in touch. Lovely. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I hope this is useful for everyone, and take care for now. Thank you, too. Bye. Ah. Wow. Lovely. (laughs) I got to say it. (laughs) I know. One of my favorites. One of my favorites. I know, because it's such a different topic, and that's why I wanted to have her on. Um, Really interesting, because um, we've been chatting for over a year now, and um, I think the timing of the show today is, is perfect and spot on so um i love when those kinds of things align uh, like that mm. so you know right that's uh that's feeling the hammock the mm-hmm. we're always guided and that's a that's a beautiful thing to wrap our head around i think unfortunately a part of the control is is part of what makes us ill too you know what i mean mm-hmm. to realize that we will get there and we'll be led at times, and I think that, for me anyways, has been a very important part of my own healing, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm, just oh. love this, and love this woman. Okay, so for those that would love to follow Nikki, she's got the ACE scores, some fabulous uh, bloggings. It is uh, Nikki Gratix, and we didn't ask her Gratrix. how to pronounce that properly. Gratrix. Gratrix. So it's N-I-K-I. G R A T R I X dot com. Nikki mm-hmm. Grotrix, a lovely woman, and I think just listening to her talk was healing for me. <laughs> it was for me too. I was just kind of in my own star uh, the whole time. I loved it. Um, and as always, a very big thank you to you, our listeners. And if you get a free moment, we'd love a positive review on iTunes so that others can discover the show as well. And while you're there, you can download other past shows that you might have missed or on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever you're at. Absolutely. Tell us more about Thyroid Refresh, Dana, before we go. Tell us about Thyroid 30 and all the good stuff. Well, we have expert written articles on cutting edge uh, thyroid health, um, which are different than what I have on Thyroid Nation. These are supportive and uplifting and very informational and, um, and researched and, 
reviewed by our expert, uh, Mary, Mary Showman, our thyroid expert, Mary Showman, or Catherine Watkins or Adrian Klein or Nadia Ahrens. Um, you know, we put a really great team together so that we could support you. So there's some really wonderful articles and videos. And uh, there's a dancey workout, low impact video. And it is a membership site. Um, we do we don't really want to work for free, uh, so we we did we do have a nominal charge of nine dollars a month for exclusive recipes and instructional cooking videos and access to our amazing community of thyroid survivors and of course the um, revolutionary thyroid wellness adventure that is coming out this fall will definitely be a game changer. It's a thirty day wellness adventure and it is played like a game and on teams and welcomes everybody and very supportive and fun. So very excited about it. And that is very affordable for what you get. You know, the yeah. positivity, the colors, the, the you know, helping hands. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So $9, shoot, that's nothing. Yeah. All right. And also make sure, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, <laughs> don't forget to check out thriveprobiotic.com. Thriveprobiotic.com. Mm-hmm. Very unique. And of course, Dana and I always want to remind you we close every show with this. This is all about you, for you, and we need you to listen to you. That's very important. Your own unique built in diagnostician will give you the tools to heal. You can take all of these amazing expert people and you can hear them, but you ultimately have to plug in what's being said, and to resonate with what works for you as a unique, fabulous, dynamic individual. So please be sure to always listen to your own body. Yep. Be mindful of what it is telling you because it is talking to you always. Mm -hmm. This is Diana and Tiffany, your Thyroid Nation drivers, bringing the collective voice of thyroid drivers worldwide so that together, united to heal. Thanks, guys. Next week. Great show. Have a fabulous week. Bye.